Hello, everyone. GM, GM, welcome to the Sulfate Podcast, where we have conversations with founders and builders, usually in the Solana ecosystem. How you doing, James? It was a great episode. We just who, who do we just I have am, on? I am excellent. <laughs> we just talked with Brandon, CEO and one of three co-founders of Phantom, oh, yeah. uh, and David, their head of uh, head of growth, and it was it was pretty awesome. Obviously, we all know Phantom. Uh, in fact, even if you're not in the Solana ecosystem, you probably you probably know Phantom. Uh, it's it's just a phenomenal wallet with great UX. Yeah, that's like it's I can't I can't phrase it any any better. That's than like that. the most succinct way. Um, and so and and so we talked with Brandon and David about we talked a little bit about you know the the sort of the origins of of Phantom, um, but then we also talked about some of some of what it was like scaling Phantom. Um, not so much from a dev perspective as from like a product decision, uh, you know, people perspective, how they think about the user experience, how they think about, you know, um, what product features to add. And I'm not going to lie. I, I, I'm just going to say it. Like I use phantom all the time. Like that's, it's my, it's my go-to wallet. I have, I, you know, I do use other wallets for, for certain specific things, but phantom is kind of my, kind of my go-to for, for just regular on-chain interactions. And so I already think very highly of, of phantom because of the product they've built and hearing how, how they, decide what to build and how they go ahead and, and make it. It's all based on the user. And I, and I just love that. There's no, there's no like, Oh, we're here to, you know, um, we're, we're here to like be this revolutionary new thing for the, for the hell of it. It's like, no, we're, we're here to improve user experience full stop. Right. Uh, and I, and I just thought that was great. Uh, that I think there's all sorts of different types of users. Some users want just like endless customization and, um, you know, and, and like want to tinker with all the new things. But I think most of us, maybe not most of us, but a lot of us just want something that is seamless and, and works and is quick and, and phantom fits that bill because that's their ethos is, is to make that great UX. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent echo all of that. Like Brandon even touched on the fact that, the I, I think he called themselves the the three founders are a three headed hydra where they all still play a very core role in a lot of the product decisions at their core and they basically sound like they review every bit of user experience that goes out the door that the users are going to see to make sure that the wallet has a really good seamless and consistent experience for the users and and again just so user driven so ux driven it's uh, it's great to see plus we talked about potentially open sourcing some portions of phantom down the road so that'll be cool yes a little teaser which was, which was fun <laughs> so let's uh yeah let's 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 dig into sure. it i think uh i think this is a fun one it's it's Probably the biggest uh, company on Solana. So let's dig let's in. Go. So I probably the unknown, um, relatively speaking. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've been in crypto for a while. I actually started in Ethereum at Consensus uh, as a and I had a growth role similar to this uh, in 2017. So I've uh, been around for a little bit of time, and yeah, just super excited about Phantom and about Solana. Uh, and opportunity came to my Phantom. I was I was really ecstatic. Uh, been here almost approaching two years now, 
uh, and it's, it's been a wild ride. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited to chat today. Um, yeah, also I'll, I'll finish up. My name is Brandon. Uh, I'm the CEO and one of three co-founders of Phantom. And yeah, happy to go into any specifics about background and whatnot. But uh, actually, similarly to David, also uh, got my start in the crypto uh, ecosystem uh, in Ethereum in 2017, uh, working for uh, sort of an OG uh, Ethereum DeFi project called uh, ZeroX. And yeah, basically, it was through that experience that eventually led uh, myself and the other co-founders to create Phantom. And uh, yeah, obviously, nowadays, uh, have been, um, yeah, enjoying just being able to, yeah, introduce all of these new uh, users to Solana, all these new users to crypto. Um, yeah, I've been meeting a lot of uh, folks where Phantom was their, their first wallet and introduction to crypto. And that's, that's always an awesome Yeah, that's got to be pretty cool. So I yeah, wish it were to, the first wallet I ever used. It, but that, that, <laughs> actually, maybe it's better that it wasn't because when I first used it, it was like, oh my gosh, this is so much better, right? Uh, uh, it was definitely the step change in in goodness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, moving <laughs> moving from MetaMask to Phantom was like a, a huge no. Like, not trying to throw shade at MetaMask, but it just generally like the the UX uh, on Ethereum that I was familiar with versus the UX that I experienced with Phantom and Solana. Very different worlds, uh, I guess is, I think is, I think that's fair to say, right? Like, um, <clears throat> well, cool. I, I, I would love to start and just get like a little bit of background on Phantom itself and how it started. Right. So Brandon, you just mentioned that you sort of came from an Ethereum background. Um, you and two other co-founders started Phantom. What was, what was the timing there? Like when, when did that happen? And, and maybe, maybe what made it happen? So what was that transition for you to Solana? What was the point where you were like, let's build a wallet or, you know, was it, was it like a, aha, I'm going to make a wallet or was it more of this like organic, we're building things and just kind of stumbled into that. I just would love to get a little bit of that story. Yeah, totally. And um, yeah, feel free to interrupt me with any questions or anything like that. Uh, but yeah, like I mentioned, um, yeah, we got our start uh, working sort of uh, in the in the trenches of sort of the original smart contract kind of ecosystem that was developing back then. People were just kind of starting to figure out what these things were, were good for. And really um, appreciative of that formative experience that really allowed us to uh, basically become power users of 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 crypto, uh, not only from a user perspective, but from a developer perspective as well. Um, when we were there, we um, were able to uh, release a number of dApps that were pretty widely used. One of them uh, is called Matcha.xyz, which is still pretty widely used. I think recently became uh, the top DEX aggregator on, on Ethereum. And so uh, basically through that experience, like I said, we, we had this kind of unique vantage point of um, how a wallet serves developers and users. And yeah, it really felt like basically the wallet was the highest leverage place that we could work to 10x the entire ecosystem. Uh, it really is a lot of people's first introduction to Web3, quote unquote, interacting with dApps, things like that. Uh, in a lot of increasingly, it's actually becoming a user's first entry point to crypto, period 
Whereas previously it was just, you know, someone would, would onboard to Coinbase. Now they're onboarding directly to a wallet. So we're like, hey, MetaMask specifically is really holding things back by being kind of like, by kind of dictating this first touch experience with the majority of the users. And so felt, and it had been sort of working in the trenches for those years. It, it was always sort of, it always felt like one of those ideas that was like just too obvious. It was like someone's just going to do the wallet, like, or whatever. And, but it was just not happening. And we're like, I think finally, I think after three and a half years, we're like, okay, it's clear this is not happening. So let's just, let's go for it. Um, so that was kind of like the first spark. And then the, the, the second spark was that we were actually, um, we were actually seeing a, a multi-chain world develop pretty, pretty early on. Actually, my first indication that, it, and it used to be that it was, it was pretty, pretty much scoffed at that you, if you were a developer or a user, you'd use something that was not Ethereum. It was pretty much largely laughed at in, in crypto in general. And then in 2020 was actually when um, that was actually initially challenged actually by Binance Smart Chain. And so people saw Binance Smart Chain come up and then really started asking themselves, oh, okay, wait, actually is Ethereum the end all be all, or is there actually like a very clear demand that was not being met earlier? And so we saw that and we felt like, okay, um, the world is clearly multi going to be multi-chain. Let's, let's skate to where the puck is going. Um, let's not try to just do what MetaMask is doing but better, but let's try to actually, you know, push the boundaries together in partnership with an ecosystem that we feel like is really pushing the boundaries. And that eventually led us to um, choosing Solana uh, as our as our horse in this sort of multi-chain race. And that was um, say that that final decision was sort of had January twenty twenty one. Had you already been building a wallet before that? Or was it sort of, was this all sort of at the same time where you're like, we want to build this wallet. We want to be better than MetaMask. Where do we, you know, what ecosystem do we want to start support for? Cause you, cause you started with only Solana support, right? And now you've expanded. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, no, we had not been building a wallet. Very first, very first lines of code were Solana wallet experience. Um, yeah, I mean, we had all been, we had all been working full time at Xerox, uh, when we basically had this discussion, um, and decided to, yeah, leave our, our then current roles and then nice. start. Um, so was it just the, the three of you, you know, doing the dev work at the, at the beginning, or did you sort of assemble a larger team from the get go? Yeah, so it was just the three of us for, for a while. So um, myself and our CTO, Francesco, um, we're both developers by trade. And uh, yeah, we developed uh, the entire initial product uh, that was used for you know, lo- most of 2021. Um, and then our third co-founder, Chris, uh, is a designer by trade. And all the visual design, interaction design, early marketing, nice. et cetera, was all him. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been very apparent throughout every use of phantom and like since, since phantom launched basically where it's like 
clearly there's a heavy design influence. Like clearly Chris is a, is an amazing designer and I'm sure maybe at this point you have, uh, you know, more people working on the design team or, or not, but a lot of, a lot of web three experiences don't go into it, starting with someone with strong design skills. And that is also apparent. So the, the UX takes quite a bit of a hit in a lot of applications, but fortunately Phantom hasn't had that problem. And I'm kind of curious to talk a little bit more about the design. Like why, what were some of the design constraints and and thoughts when you guys started and, and started designing this wallet interface? Was it, you know, basic things like feature parity with other wallets, but make it look nicer and feel better? Or were there specific design constraints or, or ideas that you had? Um, it's a good question. I'm thinking back now. I think the overarching, uh, the overarching theme uh, was to create a very user-centric product. I know that <laughs> sounds very generic on the face of it, but um, I do think a lot of the problems with MetaMask and actually Ethereum itself is rooted in that uh, everything is is uh, built by developers for other developers. And that actually, that whole ethos it doesn't just affect the product. It actually affects um, narrative and communi- things like communication, uh, attitude towards um, user support and things like that. Um, which are just not, we're just very, very underdeveloped in the world of Ethereum. Um, and so, yeah, I'd say we kind of really came into it with that mindset and wanted to create like a holistic brand and experience that was very user focused, not just, not just in the walls of the product, but like content communication, et cetera. Um, and so, yeah, I think, but I think there was honestly just a lot of low hanging fruit. So we're like, we're just going to do, we're going to do feature parity, but much better. Um, make sure that like prioritize performance, prioritize usability. I think all those things are table stakes. Um, so actually very, very quickly, we're able to get up to that point. Um, but then past then, I think we, we really tried to pioneer a lot of techniques around user safety, transaction simulation, website, proactive website blocking, things of that nature. Um, really understanding that the phishing problem um, is very pervasive and quite difficult and basically requires, it's a con- constant cat and mouse game that um, requires active management. That's one of the, one of the things that we think we do, we take quite seriously at Phantom and something that we tried to differentiate in the very beginning. And uh yeah, let's see. I mean, back then, back then, even showing NFTs in the wallet was a radical idea. It just is laughable now. It's true. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I feel like in the beginning, it was just like, just so many like low hanging fruit, but yeah. How, um, well, I guess, sorry, I, I, this is a two part question. First, how, how big is the team? Um, now, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, once upon a time, it was just the three of you. How, how many people work at Phantom now? Mm-hmm. Uh, the team is uh, around 75 people. Okay. So I imagine product decisions when it's just the three of you, it's a, that's a relatively lightweight <laughs> sure process. Like, hey guys, point. I think we should, <laughs> I think we should do X, right? And probably the other two are like, oh yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Let's do X. Right now there's 75 people. Um, 
how, I, I guess I'm curious, like how are product decisions made, made now? Because I think it's, it's very easy. I think it would be very easy for, you know, a three person company to make great product decisions and then that to kind of devolve over time into, into bureaucracy and, and like not, not being able to be as effective, but phantom, at least from a user perspective appears to have done a great job navigating that where I see that, you know, I see phantom continually making wise product decisions that improve my experience as a web three user rather than what very well could be the opposite. So, so I'm curious, like how, how you've navigated that and how product decisions are made today with a larger organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I'd say, um, yeah, classic company conundrum. I think most companies crypto or otherwise that have a uh, scale past sort of the garage phase to this size, which I'd say is, you know, still startup phase, but definitely in, you know, definitely a company. Um, I think, yeah, it was an iterative process. We definitely didn't have some grand plan going, going um, into it. Uh, remote is also another complicating factor uh, that makes things um, just a lot more, Everything just needs to be done a lot more deliberately. Um, but yeah, I'd say over, I mean, I, I think the overall thing is that the three, us three co-founders are still very much sort of like a three headed Hydra that make a lot of kind of core, core decisions about, about the product. Um, and everything sort of, I sort of like equated to sort of like Gordon Ramsay <laughs> where like, um, like a, like a dish that's coming out of the, like, like, uh, the, the, the restaurant or the, the dish that's going into the, into the restaurant is kind of gets like a final taste by the, by the, um, by Gordon Ramsay. I don't know that's chef, similar, yeah. like we touch everything that's going out there basically. So it has that sort of consistent, um, sort of like product bar. Um, but yeah, the other thing has just been, you know, just really focusing in on hiring like really amazing people like David and others to basically delegate complete control over certain certain things with like high degree of trust. I think that was that's another pretty key, pretty key thing. Um, and yeah, spending a lot of time finding the right people as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah just, I think uh, that's I, awesome. I think that's actually a perfect chance. Oh, David, go ahead. <laughs> oh yeah. Just to add to that, I, I, I think something as a, you know, somewhat new to Phantom, but having been in two years now, uh, I feel like something that's really differentiates us is that we're really, we react really quickly to community feedback as well as what we're seeing in the data. Uh, I think, so, you know, a lot of other wallets are like part of a bigger system. Like MetaMask is part of consensus, Coinbase wallet, part of Coinbase. Like there's a lot going on. Uh, and what we're able to do is really focus on the community, look at what people are asking for, what we see in the data as well. Uh, it allows us to be really quick. And so like prioritizing things like transaction simulation, when, we see, when we're seeing a lot of security issues, uh, it's just like one small example of like, hey, we're, we're just trying to like move really quickly, like solve user needs. And, and, and there's not a lot of like process or, or things that we need to think through as much. Uh, and so we're really able to, I would say, like, just be more reactive uh, and to give users what they want in a way that 
um, other wallets might not be able to. Nice. I I like uh, you know Brandon. You had mentioned <clears throat> that a lot of tooling in like the Ethereum um, ecosystem that you were sort of in before is like made by developers for developers, and that maybe maybe a core goal of Phantom is like made by developers for end users. Is that an a- accurate way to phrase that? Maybe. Um. Yes. I'd I mean, say, most things are made by developers, James. <laughs> for people. <laughs> it's the, it's, it's the, it's the for end user. It's like for not necessarily developers. Right. Um, I, I, I guess I'm, I guess I'm curious, like, do you see, uh, hmm, sorry, I'm, I'm struggling to phrase this question. Do you, do you feel like uh, there is a, this is the best wallet type of paradigm, or do you think there are, there is sort of various wallets serve different niches, right? Like there's different use cases, there's different types of users who might want a different wallet for different things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a a good question. Um, I would say, yes, probably there will definitely be uh, by nature of the blockchain ecosystems being so permissionless and built on a lot of these open building blocks. I, I think there will, there's no way one company can take on sort of this, the completely blank nature of what can be built in, in web three. So I do think there will be niches. So for example, um, Phantom may not necessarily be the best tool to debug a certain thing about your Solana program and probably some, some specific tool or wallet built for that, um, might be the better solution. So for example, um, there is one that was built by paradigm on the Ethereum side. I'm actually blanking on the name, but sort of like a, a MetaMask alternative, but specifically for developing, like for the act of developing a DAP. Um, so I'd say like definitely, for example, those types of niches exist. Um, but where Phantom plays is basically we have a very unique position in the Solana ecosystem and a very unique role to play in helping the ecosystem grow. Um, and so we very much view our role as being the best initial touch point and use, usage point for users and helping dApps and developers on Solana grow their businesses, not necessarily the act, the physical act of developing a dApp, but actually grow their business, reach new users, reach users across different ecosystems. Um, that's, I think, where our unique role, like that, the role that we play is. That's, that's really interesting to hear you say because it's like you're saying it and I'm like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I've, I've seen that in the, in the phantom wallet, right? <clears throat> I, I see these sort of integrations and, and featuring of other businesses, um, which is kind of an explicit form of that, but even just the implicit, like we're trying to be a user-friendly experience. So you should drive your, you know, you should drive first touch points with your app to phantom over other wallets maybe so that 
it's a very user, very user friendly experience for them, which is, which is really cool. I, I guess, David, given that you're head of growth, I'm curious to hear like, um, you know, how, how do you, how do you think about, about Phantom's niche in as much as it, you know, you're talking about growing other businesses and, and partnerships with other businesses and that sort of thing. Totally. Yeah. I think, I think what we have as a wall is very special um, as an ecosystem and the role we have in it. I I don't think it's something we take lightly when, you know, we are the recommended or most prevalent wallet for, for all this, all these stats in the Solana ecosystem, especially Uh, we have to take that responsibility with like really seriously. Uh, And and that means being really stable, right? It means like always working. It means like keeping users funds safe. Uh, But I, I think, what, what Brandon is alluding to is, is really part of our growth strategy going forward, which is to really focus on uh, being, becoming a, the best platform for DOPS to really grow and engage their users. Uh, I think not only with a new user discovery, but also just trying to reach existing users, communicate uh, information. Uh, it's, it's so hard to just rely on Twitter for everything, which is so much of what uh, crypto is these days, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. And the feed is just so noisy. It's not, you're not even necessarily seeing people you follow. So like to, to have adapt, reach their users about a relevant upgrade or product launch or an NFT that's releasing some sort of change or, you know, I, we, we hear it from so many people in the ecosystem that like they need a better connection with their users. And, you know, it's really important that phantom, uh, provides that platform or else eventually there's going to be, you know, wallets are just a, co- a commodity in the long run, right? There's, there's just growing wallet functionality uh, happening, being provided by services all the time. But I, I think if, if Phantom can really differentiate itself and, and truly be the best way for the ecosystem to grow, that that's how we really get support from that ecosystem. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of work that we're doing manually right now. Like we're doing, we have a like hundred telegram groups with a bunch of dApps and NFT collections and, and developers. Like what we're trying to do is move more of that in product, move more of it, uh, add more process to it and standardize things. Um, so you can, you can u- really use Phantom to reach engage your users um, in a better way. So we're really excited about that. Nice. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Nope. No, you, you don't make, you <laughs> uh, hit it. I was going to say that, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Like it's prioritizing this, um, like the platform to make it so that people can actually onboard even easier. They can, they can use blockchain even easier, especially now that you guys are multi-chain, use different chains even easier. And I'm curious from like, to, to dive in a little bit deeper, I guess what's like the next, I don't want to say like the next big thing, quote unquote, but like, what do you think the things that are missing within the wallet experience that kind of does take it to the next level? Like naturally there's always going to be like phantom is like phantom period is a great example of a step change in like UX and, and experience that, that anyone and everyone gets. What's, what do you think the next step changes for wallets? Like phantom, like Sign in with Solana is a great example. I feel like that's a maybe a small step change, but it's a noticeable change. It it removes less actions for the user. It makes it a little bit easier to code that sign in functionality. So that's a that smooths out some of those friction points. I'm curious what you guys think the the next um, step changes would be for wallets in general. Um, yeah, well, I think a lot of the stuff that we just described sits in that camp of just kind of really, um, 
evolving from just being a kind of one dimensional tool uh, to being an entire platform for fueling growth for an ecosystem. Um, I think that's kind of the major step function that we're going to be delivering this year and have been, have been trying to um, get started, uh, especially with the uh, recent airdrop, uh, airdrop season and, and all of that. Um, and so I think there's a lot of, a lot of room, a room there um, to really see what an ecosystem can do when like MetaMask is never going to do that with, with Ethereum. Like they have, they have snaps, which is kind of their, their solution. And also again, not to throw shade at MetaMask and they're awesome and everything, but that's a very, it was very much like a developer first thing. And what, like, what is it doing? Like, so yeah, so that, that, that is kind of, I think what is our, are going to be kind of our, our evolution this year. I think um, there are other set function um, improvements we're looking to make um, specifically uh, in onboarding as well. Uh, seed phrase management has been a long, it's been a long time coming to fix that issue. Um, and so, yeah, looking to uh, improve things there. And uh, yeah, I'd say those, I don't know, those, those are a couple things. Uh, I don't know, David, if you have anything. Now. Yeah, I mean, I can just expound that a, a little bit. So, sorry. Um, but yeah, I, I think like one thing that we're really, we could, I think is like a really good sign of things to come is quests. Uh, with with Drip, we, we drove over a million uh, visits to their app through, through our quest platform. Uh, and we drove hundreds of thousands of, of conversions and, and real registered signups uh, for them. And we had a small civil prevention thing as well. And so we're very confident about the quality of these users. And it's, it's just really a small sign of things that come in terms of like what we really want to roll out to the ecosystem in a, in a much wider capacity. Uh, and so, you know, thinking about you know, onboarding, as, as Brandon mentioned, is, is such a ground zero problem. Like it's, it's, you can think of it as a blank slate where people don't have, people come into Phantom, they download the wallet. There's not necessarily a great sign of what things you can do next. Uh, and so those are, we really need to solve like that onboarding problem. Uh, and then I think there's just engagement. Once users are with you and using you, how do you make sure that they stay involved in the platform and, and keep up with things as they're evolving? Uh, I think that's going to be another big thing that we try to iterate on. But yeah, really excited about uh, just opening up the phantom a little bit more to the ecosystem. I think I think that's really, really cool. Um, and I, and I, I think the quests are... Uh, a great way to do what you're describing, right? Like helping, helping businesses grow in the ecosystem. I am, I'm curious, do you, <clears throat> do you come at these problems from a standpoint of we have an idea and we want to figure out the best way to implement it? Or do you think this is the problem we want to solve? We don't know what the solution is, but let's figure it out. Like, what does that, what does that process look like for you? Is, is it, is it, oh, you know, quests would be really cool and you already have an idea for what that is, or is it, we want to help feature businesses and help grow, you know, businesses in the ecosystem grow. we actually don't know how to do that, but we're going to, let's, let's figure this out. Like we have a process for, for solving these challenges. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great question. Um, yeah, I'd say more of the latter, like definitely try to be, very outcome driven as a company in general. 
Um, and I'd say at, at the very root of it, it's all about growing the user base, growing the ecosystem. There are users that are new users coming into the ecosystem. There are users that are existing that need to be retained and given things to do. And we want to be attacking both of those angles. How do we maximize both of those venues? And then out of that sort of core premise, um, an idea like Quest is born. Hey, we do, we want to, we want to re-engage users, we want to help actually new users discover new things to do. This check kind of checks both boxes. Let's actually run a couple of these as sort of like a beta or a test. Um, understand how they're performing, like David just shared, and understand whether to invest more resources into it um, versus being versus like like this entire like having all features being like this is this is the next paradigm shifting thing. We're gonna like we're gonna like change everything with this new thing. I think it's important we have those things, and it's, it's important to have those be very deliberate. Um, but for most Things like quests, it's very kind of like outcome driven, um, data driven process. Yeah. Sounds yeah, very interesting. And yeah, with, with crypto, it's sorry, with crypto, it's just really important to be very, both very iterative just because things are moving so quickly and also very data driven because there's so much noise. Uh, it's very difficult to understand what is real and what's not. Um, and so, yeah. For sure. For sure. Um, one, one of the things I feel like I've admired, uh, in you, Brandon, and, and may, you know, maybe this isn't an, uh, maybe my vision of this isn't complete, but I feel like I've seen many founders in the crypto ecosystem more broadly, uh, get into, we'll call we'll just say online arguments, Right uh, about about a <laughs> variety of things, and I've I feel never seen like those once. I've n- never, <laughs> never. Uh, I've been I've always been very impressed with how you navigate your online presence and and how you sort of uh, stay out of the ring, if if that makes sense. Right where where it's like someone will sort of try to bait you into fights. And I feel like you do a, do a great job of just being like, Hey, we're, we're building, you know, the, the best tooling we can. And this is what we care about right now. And, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, this isn't for you or, or, you know, that, that general vibe. And I feel like that's really impressive. It's yeah, it's, it is incredibly cordial. I think it's really, it's hard to do that. Right. Like there's, uh, we all have egos and if someone's picking on a thing that we're, putting so much time and energy, you know, into it's really hard not to just like lash out. And I don't know that I've ever seen you lash out. And so I'm just, I'm just curious, like how, how do you, uh, I I guess, how do you do that? Right. Like, how do you stay, uh, calm instead of being like, you know what, I'm just gonna let this guy have it. Mm -hmm. Um, well, good question (laughs) again. Um, yeah, I'd say, you know, I think just, I understand everyone's really very quite passionate in this space. It's a good thing. Um, that's actually one of the the superpowers of the industry is that we have such a fervent user base, vocal user base that, that is willing to give tough feedback. And I really just try to take everything. 
I don't know exactly what scenario you're referring to specifically, but I usually try to take everything I see online as, as feedback and points that we can, we can use to genuinely improve the product. Um, and a lot of times people feel so passionately about it because we are providing a very core job to be done for them and a very important one. And like David says, very important to be stable and, and whatnot. So, um, but yeah, also just recognizing like crypto Twitter is just, um, a very, at the end of the day, it's a vocal minority. Um, you know, we're aiming for the scale of tens of millions of users and like the, 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 the Twitter crowd is, is, is literally like a hundred or less, a couple hundred maybe. <laughs> um, so yeah, just kind of recognizing that as well. And, uh, yeah, sometimes deleting Twitter helps. <laughs> uh, I, I find myself doing that quite often. Um, I used to work at Twitter actually. Um, Oh really? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, actually, before before um, Zero X, I worked at Twitter for actually four years, over four years. Um, wow! So, uh, Twitter addiction is something that I've been uh, <laughs> dealing with for struggling with for years. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, crippling. But um, that's yeah. I'm actually a little curious you, about you, that. Have you? are there still portions of Twitter that you go to use it and you're just like, Oh, I helped build that specific portion. Or as you think it's like probably the code you wrote there is gone. No, no, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah, I worked on the uh, iOS mobile app for three plus years and a lot of touched like a lot of core stuff. So, um, that's cool. That explains so much to me about why your mobile app is so good. Cause like, even <laughs> like when I first got into sauna, even two years ago, I just was like, yeah, all I want to do is use phantoms mobile app. I don't want to, I don't want to do anything else. I don't want to use a browser. I don't want to like, I just, I just not, not because phantoms browser uh, extension isn't good. Just like, it's so easy to use the mobile app. Um, and it's because you were a mobile dev. I didn't, I didn't know that until just now. I, iOS development is like my, is my development background as well. And so it's always like. <laughs> interesting to to see another dev. Interesting, I can't take credit for the mobile portion. I actually, the run mobile development started. That's kind of like when I stopped coding. Um, <laughs> oh, interestingly enough, but I felt like a lot of a lot of this stuff carried over. I ended up. We ended up. Francesca and I ended up running like the, all the initial like Chrome extension. Um, but yeah, we all all three of the co-founders we have like a pretty extensive mobile background. Actually, Francesca is also an iOS developer, and um, Chris. Uh, has been a, a mobile designer for a very long time. He's, he was an early Facebook employee. Um, he was on the original team that launched uh, Messenger and uh, was the primary designer for that. And so, yeah, a lot of experience with apps. Nice. So, yeah. yeah, I love it. A, that's a that's a stacked founding team. That's that's great. Um, I when I when I asked about sort of the online controversy stuff, I actually didn't have a specific scenario in mind. I just uh, I just think of you as someone who's very like it's like cool, a lack of scenario under, sort of situation. <laughs> where it's yeah, like a lot of people. Of, I'm just like I've is. seen that person before, but I was like I don't. I've never once seen Brandon like get into an on like a Twitter fight with someone. I do. I don't know exactly what it is, but I have definitely seen some replies to you where I'm like, Ooh, those are fighting words. And you, and I've never, and I've never seen you engage. Yeah. Uh, I mean, at least, neg at least ne ne never seen you engage negatively. 
Uh, and I, and look, I ultimately, everything you said, I think is accurate, right? Like that it's a vocal minority, um, that, that passion in the industry is a good thing. Like, like it's everything you said is accurate. And yet that's hard to keep in mind in the moment. So mm-hmm. it's like, I, I guess, I guess I just want to say like, uh, good on you for being able to do that better than some, right. There are definitely, there are definitely some, some, uh, people in the ecosystem, that battle it out back and forth and, and don't have like the, the mindset of this is just feedback that I can either take or not take. And, you know, um, so that's, that's, that's really cool. That's, uh, that's, re- that's really, really cool. In, in my book, I, I, I do, um, it doesn't often do this, like, but every once in a while there will be someone who is, who is, uh, so heated, on, on Twitter that like, I don't want to use their product, even if it's the best product, Mm -hmm. because it's just like uh, you, they, they grate on me a little bit. And I, and I, and I don't like that. They're like, uh, stoking the, the flames of controversy, if you will. And I've never had that feeling with, with phantom. There's, there's never been a moment where I've been like, oof, am I gonna have to stop using phantom because Brandon is being a dick online. That's, you know, that's just, that's just, that's, that seems unheard of. So, um, thanks. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I think it, it does <laughs> go back to this, like, like just having a very user centric mindset and understanding like, Hey, we're building a trusted brand that needs to have is a, is, is a brand for a financial product and needs to, it needs to exude maturity and safety and stability, et cetera. Um, it's all, you know, it's all kind of consistent with that. Um, yeah. 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 I, you know, I'm, I'm like trying to think of potential controversies (laughs) and the, and the thing that's coming to mind that is not a specific conversation or anything, but I, but I do often see people talk on Twitter about, you know, whether or not wallets are open source Mm -hmm. and, it, to my knowledge, at least like, you know, Phantom is not currently source available. I'm curious, do you have plans to ever make pieces of Phantom source available? Mm-hmm. Or do you feel like you can deliver a better product by keeping it closed source? I am genuinely asking this question, feeling like I have no horse in the race and I'm, you know, I, I'm fairly indifferent. So you can, you can, you know, say, say whatever you want here. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to bait you into a trap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Spend 15 um, minutes talking about baiting people into traps. Then you try to bait them into a trap, James. <laughs> um, I'm, I am not as dogmatic about this as many people on Twitter. I am not particularly concerned one way or the other. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah. Um, well, I think that when I think about this, I try to understand what, when someone's online and they are, demanding fan to be open source or asking about open source, like what, why they're asking that. And I think if you kind of peel back that layer, there's a couple different, uh, scenarios that you get. So there's, uh, one, one person who type of person who thinks that open sourcing the wallet makes the wallet more secure and that if it's not open source, it's not secure. Um, there's another type of person who's more of a developer who's like, Oh, if, Fant- if only Phantom open sources their wallet, then that's that's how I get my new token um, standard integrated into Phantom is by opening up a PR request and 
No, that's not, that's actually not going to be the case. And it's actually just moving <laughs> that problem further down the line where, okay, now, now someone opens up a PR and we're like, okay, well, sorry, we're not going to do that. Now, now that same person's on Twitter being like, you know, fans not being like, Oh, I can't believe PR. them. They wouldn't merge my random PR. Like right. it's not your code base. <laughs> um, and then the, the third person I think is uh, someone who's just a bit more uh, coming from bit, the, the angle of being of the ethos of the space about decentralization and transparency. Um, so I think, I, I guess I kind of think about it in those three camps. And then when I think about open source, like how, how we might actually address those points, does open sourcing actually fix like the core issue or problem? And so uh, for security, I don't, I don't think it's, that's the case. Uh, I think that it's a, it's a false sense of security to have all the code out there and just be like, well, someone looked at it. Well, obviously someone looked at it. It's, up, it's out there. Um, so, and we, we take security extremely seriously. Uh, we have a head of security who used to be head of security um, at uh, Voyager and previously was head of security at this very OG Bitcoin wallet called Casa, which was like a, was like a uh, hybrid um, physical key, cloud key type of thing back in the day. Um, we, like I said, have a lot of security related product features like transaction, transaction simulation, proactive uh, website blocking, all of that. Um, and on top of, on top of that, yeah, have like an internal security team with professional AppSec people, pen testers, et cetera. Um, so that's what I would say to address address that. Uh, and then for, um, yeah, the integration stuff, part of, um, like I was mentioning about evolving Phantom into a platform, I think addresses the heart of some of those issues. It's just a lot of developers want exposure and distribution for their new products. Um, yeah, I think by making, opening up Phantom to be a, a slightly more self-serve, not necessarily like you're jamming PRs in there. Um, I think that could help address a lot of a lot of some of those issues, um, and then yeah, uh, in terms of the ethos and transparency of the space, I think basically things exist. The great thing about crypto is that it's built on these open permissionless uh, building blocks, and men out of those building blocks, for example, private keys, many different types of products can emerge that follow the same standard of interacting with this blockchain. And I think there are, there are going to be a whole suite of different products that, that arrange from different, from open source closers, et cetera. And eventually the market's going to decide what they prefer. Um, and so it is, it is a little bit of trying to understand and placate like the quote unquote vocal minority of today, but also making sure that we can deliver a product that is safe and secure for a broader audience. Um, all of that being said though, we are, we are, we do want to open source parts of Phantom. Um, I think not necessarily the entire application, but we do want to open source different parts of Phantom, perhaps the ones that deal specifically with key management, things like that. Um, uh, perhaps, you know, 
open source libraries um, and things like of that nature. Um, so yeah, we're definitely open to all those things. Um, but yeah, I think just to kind of bring it back to the beginning, so I, I, uh, I, I talked for a bit there, but yeah, I just kind of want to, I think it's just important to understand kind of like the core problems kind of alluding to what we were talking about earlier. People are actually like want to solve and like attacking those core things instead of, and this happens really often in crypto where it's like, there is some abstract concept that everyone just projects their hopes and dreams onto. And <laughs> suddenly one meme is going to fix everything. For example, account abstraction. That's been a meme for over a year. Everyone <laughs> thinks like that, that phrase is going to solve XYZ problem. Well, you dive into it and then each one has, each person has a different problem that they're actually trying to fix with that. Um, so anyway, that's my take on it. I think that's imminently reasonable. Yeah, 100% reasonable. Um, and, uh, and, and again, you're showing why you don't get drawn into fights online because you just answer <laughs> with reasonable answers and that's not how you get into fights. So, <laughs> um, so I, I want to, I want to come back to one thing from early in the conversation, um, you know, which is sort of you, you, you mentioned, um, you'd mentioned going, you know, you'd, you'd mentioned that back when you were on, you know, sort of working in the Ethereum ecosystem, you recognize that the future is a multi-chain future, right? Um, you know, fast forward to, I don't know, it was rough, maybe, maybe a year ago, um, when Phantom, uh, opened up support for, um, Ethereum and Polygon in addition to Solana, right? So you, you clearly have made some bets about supporting multiple chains. I'm, I'm curious to know how you guys think about this and e either of you is welcome to either or both welcome to answer this, but I'm, I'm curious to hear like how you think about multi-chain support. Are you right? It's like, are you, Hey, we're just going to support sort of some core chains here is, or, you know, are, do you want to support virtually every chain at some point? Or is it like, I, I'm just, I'm curious to know what level of breadth you're trying to uh, achieve in terms of multi-chain or am I misunderstanding? Is, is the point of EVM and Polygon support actually to bring people to Solana? And you're kind of thinking like Solana is actually the core focus. We just want to provide easy bridges for people or, you know, I, I just, I'm looking to understand the motivation and and the the core philosophy that sort of is driving this. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so you're going back to kind of like the initial origin story of, of Phantom. Uh, we we do have this deep background on, on Ethereum. Very much had a bone to pick with with MetaMask, um, but at the same time had this multi chain vision, and so. Um, you know, it was always part of the plan to incorporate support for Ethereum. Um, we, yeah. So when we, we added support for Ethereum Polygon, when we did, it really was like something that we had been planning from the very beginning. All of the, all of the original code was sort of written in a way that was kind of abstracted away concepts from, from Solana, Solana specific coins and, and things like that. Um, and so, and yeah, we had, we have a deep, uh, belief that yeah, in, in the future, the wallet, no, you don't need to know what chain you're using with the wallet. 
it can and, and will be completely abstracted away exactly the same way that it's been done on centralized exchanges and where it's just, that's just understood that that's just the way it is. Um, very, a very similar kind of like, actually Coinbase itself went through multiple evolutions that were very controversial at the time, adding support for Ethereum. Uh, I believe the founders even received death threats for doing that. Um, so it was also at that, at that time, it was like an equivalently controversial thing, which in hindsight is like, obviously there, there wouldn't just be a Bitcoin exchange. Like you would have an exchange for everything out there. So I think from a, just from a philosophy perspective, I, I do believe wallets will be the same way. Um, but um, I think it's important, uh, I guess, to clarify in my, my specific ver- vision of the multi-chain future is not one where there's like a thousand chains or even a hundred chains. It's probably going, or even 20, it's probably going to be less than 10, maybe less than five of the major ecosystems out there. I think they, these chains are essentially networks that have networks effect, network effects and modes. Um, and I do think that basically activity on them will follow basically a power law distribution where there is a winner take most, or it could be two winners take most like, like Apple, Apple uh, or iPhone, Android. Um, and so I think what we're, we are aiming to do with multi-chain is one primarily we have a huge existing user base, keeping that user base happy, engaged, and that user base is, is primarily on Solana. Keeping that user engaged and happy, that's our number one focus. Uh, in terms of adding chains, we want to definitely add chains um, where that are going to complement our existing users that are expect lower fees. Um, you know, you, they can do similar things, NF- like uh, collect NFTs and things like that. Is one of the primary motivators behind adding support for ordinals. It's a lot of existing phantom users explicitly asking for, for that. Um, and so, yeah, I'd say basically, but and, and at the same time, we're always looking for kind of proactively looking at new ecosystems that we feel may align with our values, may align with the values of our existing users. Um, and that might be good bets, but we're, we're you know, there's a, new chains are a dime a dozen. So it's, it's a, um, you know, a, we're kind of always watching. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. That I makes think, a lot I think sense. it makes a ton of sense going, going from, it's not about the chain per se. It's about what, what do users do with phantom and how can we continue to facilitate and, and, um, and, and broaden that experience. Which I, which, I, which I think makes a ton of sense is you're saying, hey, it's not necessarily the chain per se, it's the user and, and what, it, what benefits the user and, and improves their experience, which is uh, probably a good thing for uh, any company to think about what their users want <laughs> and what would make their user experience better, even if they don't know it. Right. Like, I think that's I think that's what makes a great company is is we can we can do a better job than most at predicting what users would enjoy, even if they don't, even if they don't know it. Um, 
So, which I think you guys have done a great job at. So like we're, we're coming kind of to, to time here. So I'll sort of wrap up my, my portion and be like, you guys have done a great job at that. I, I, uh, use phantom for the vast majority of, of my on-chain interactions, uh, specifically the phantom mobile app. It's, you know, it's just like very, um, more often than not is, is my go-to for, for all on-chain interaction. So, um, you know, obviously I'm only one user, but thank you. Uh, I, I guess, you know, like it's, it is, it is a much better experience than I've, than I've had in most places. And I, and I very much appreciate that because freaking trying to dial fees on MetaMask is, is not where it's at. It's awful, uh, awful experience but, there. Um, that, that being, that being said, like before we wrap up, I, you know, I do, I want to make sure if there's any last minute thing that you guys want to say to, to our listeners, you get the chance to, to say that whether it's, you know, uh, giving them a little bit of alpha about something that's coming up or whether it's just, you know, uh, uh, thanking them for being users, what, whatever, whatever, uh, you know, you guys want to say. You want to go first, David? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I can kind of almost just add to what, you know, what, what Brandon was ending with, with the multi-chain stuff is just that, you know, we're very lucky to be on Solana. Uh, we, we were the fastest growing wallet in, in history, basically reaching millions of users in, in less than a year. Uh, and so much of our design is enabled by the, the quickness and the low fees of Solana. And so like just hand in hand, it just worked out so well for everyone, I think, in the sense that like we've been able to do so much and, and, and it's really, we're really grateful for Solana. I, I do consider us a Solana first company in the sense that we, we do focus so much on the ecosystem. We're, we're constantly proving out things that are only possible on Solana, like our main camera, uh, feature, which is really fun. You can you can use your mobile app and, and mint an NFT. So, uh, yeah, I, I just think there's a lot that we're really excited for, and, and you can stay tuned for uh, more Solana-rated uh, fun uh, in the coming year. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. PM. Excited to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, David. Yeah. Echo that. Um, <laughs> I think. Yeah, we're just really. I think we're just in a very unique point in time for the Solana ecosystem. Um, and we shouldn't take this opportunity lightly. And I think we are in a really high leverage position to just make sure that basically next six months, Solana just really hits it out of the park and like has a real chance of becoming the dominant ecosystem by the end of the year. Um, with, yeah, hopefully the, the help of everyone building each other up. So, um, yeah, just looking forward to this year and, uh, yeah, looking forward to serving the ecosystem. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so thank much, you Brandon so much, and yeah. David. Thanks for joining us. Uh, it was, again, it was great yeah, meeting you guys. It was Phantom great chatting right about <laughs> the, uh, oh, nice. I have one of those actually, that exact hat. Special um, one I got from Vibhu in, uh, Breakpoint 23. Oh, nice. Breakpoint 2022. Nice. The Solana Spaces. Nice. nice. Oh. May they rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, hey, this has been, this has been great. Uh, there's so much more we could chat about. Like we did not even talk about the wild ride that was the last year. Yeah, we should do it. Solana drop. 
I, I would, I would love yeah, to chat awesome. about what that experience was like <laughs> at, at Phantom, you know, for um, scaling the, the infra on the back end was probably not fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's all, there's all kinds of things we could, we could chat about. So we'd love to have you on again, but thanks so much for joining us. And, uh, yeah, I guess to the listeners, thanks for being here and we'll see you all next week. Bye-bye. Awesome. Yeah, all thank right. you. Thanks guys. Bye.